chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14. We went through, uh, through 13 last week, obviously. And uh, Paul's really kind of dipping into uh, the, the Corinthian believers and their uh, self-standing, thinking that they're good on their own. Their uh, arrogance is a liability. They're thinking that they, they know everything and that they've got everything under control and, and that, uh, that they, can, they can handle it. They have the liberty to do it. Uh, they're, they're good to go. Um, is, is a, has been an issue for them because they have uh, allowed sin to enter back into the camp. And so their liberties have uh, kind of taken place where the love should be. And their arrogance has left them blind, thinking that they are wise and they thinking that they can stand. And in return, they have fallen. So Paul is warning them like a good father would. Remember, this is like his church. These are his like kids, basically. And he's warning them like, please don't go down this path. I think that's important to understand is that when he's saying this stuff, it is from that mentality, from that mindset. To say, you know, I don't want uh, you guys to experience these bad things. It's not like, ooh, shame, shame, Corinth. He knows them and he loves them. But he's like, please don't go this way. Please don't choose this path, right? And, And as any parent would understand, you know what that's like. Oh, I know what happens if I go down that path. Please don't follow my, my, oh, see, you did it. It should be fine. No, no, no. You don't know what happens when, please don't do that. Or I see that road. Don't go down that road. It's not what you think it is. So Paul's warning them like a good father would. And he continues on kind of coming back around to this whole theme that's about eating meat offered to idols but it's really not just about that. It's about a lot more than that. That's just a, it's a, a symbol of the heart, a symbol of what he's really trying to get across to them. So let's pray. We'll get started. Lord, we thank you for the, your word this morning. Thank you for uh, just being able to gather together again. We pray that you'd speak to us from your word and that uh, you guide us and you direct us. And we pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. So Verse 14, he says, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Remember, he had just said a couple verses back that, that God will not give you the temptation, more temptation you can handle. He'll, he'll take care of it. But, and there he will make a way of escape. And kind of talked about that being more like a mountain pass and less like a, um, you know, an escalator or a rocket ship. Oh, temptation, jump in my rocket ship you know, bail, let's get out of here. You know, this sounds like a good situation. Don't we wish it was like that? Life is not like that. Life is about enduring through the hard things sometimes, right? And what you don't realize is that as you endure and as you go through these things, you look back and see this is exactly what God was using in your life for something so much greater. That it wasn't really about the destination, it was about the journey, right? And so understanding that, getting through that temptation in and of itself, we go, temptation's a bad thing. But being able to endure, and what does he say at the end? Bear temptation. What does that mean? That you're able to withstand it. You're able to trust God and not fall into the temptation. It doesn't shipwreck you. It doesn't lay you out. Like we see 
Paul mentioned in scripture, these, they've been shipwrecked. They've, they've forgotten the faith. They've walked away. They're gone. They're about, they're, remember, their God is, in, is their bellies, and they've forsaken it. They're gone. They didn't make it. So we, we, we look at that, and we, we can see that coming in. We're like, okay, so all of those things are important. So what is this really all about? Verse 14, therefore, my beloved flee from idolatry and the original language really speaks to it being the idolatry. This is speaking to a specific, this issue right here, especially remember the whole issue of meat. Paul said, uh, uh, and idols, Paul said, what's an idol? An idol is nothing at all, right? Isn't that what he said? An idol is nothing. It means nothing. There are no other gods, just so you know. There are no other gods except for what you make into a god. A figment of your imagination uh, uh, and really a figment of your obsession. That's really what another god is, right? That that you would put higher than anything else, that is a god. So if something is higher, again, recapping here, if something is higher than God, the living God in your life, that has become a God over him, right? You've put it in that high place of authority in your life, right? So we can make things into gods and we really do a lot, right? And so that's what we, we could see gods or you could call them idols. They really aren't anything, but you've ascribed power to them. They're really not anything. So we know idols really don't mean anything. So meat offered up to a figment of man's imagination. Yeah, that doesn't really mean anything. But Paul's going to get into a whole kind of different principle here of understanding and, and really like why this can is such an issue here, especially thinking from the mind of a Corinthian, which is much like the mind of a 2019 Christian. So here we go. I speak as to wise men Judge for yourselves what I say. This is very, very wise of Paul, the way he starts this, right? Because he knows the Corinthians believe themselves to be very wise, right? They were well studied. They were well learned, especially in that culture of, oh, liberty. We're liberty people. And yeah, you, you know, peasants with your common mind couldn't understand why liberty is better. You know, oh, you guys are all caught up. We, we get liberty. We're so smart. We're so cutting edge. Like, well, the Bible says it, but it doesn't mean that exactly. Because that doesn't line up with all the things I know. I know so much more. So, you know, all things considered through my filter doesn't make any sense, right? And the filter of 2019, which is really literally a filter, right? Okay. Nice filter. Cool. Sounds good. All right. Uh, I speak to you as wise men, judge for yourselves what I say. Here you go. You guys are wise. And that pops them, prompts them up. They don't even know what's happening next, right? You guys are wise. Why don't you, oh, yeah, yeah. Let's consider this, you know. We, let's see what we can come up with. Let's take a look at what Paul has to say here. The cup of blessing which we bless is not the communion of the blood of Christ. The bread, uh, is it not? the communion of the blood of Christ, the bread, which we break, is it not communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Observe Israel after the flesh, uh, are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar. What this is speaking to is that this is what when a meal to them was more than a meal. In our, in our standings, in our standards, right? 
to us, it's like a meal. It's like, yeah, we had a meal together. We were driving in the car and I was eating it as I was going. It was a meal together, right? I had it and it was like, it was such a bummer. I should, we shouldn't have done Chipotle. That's not a good thing to, to have when you're driving and eating, right? Or even like in and out if you do like animal style, terrible choice, right? You got to think, car, what's car food? What is a car food? I don't know. Not, but not a Chipotle burrito, right? That's going to be a mess. Okay, anyway, Taco Bell. Okay, Taco Bell, sure. Whatever, you guys all have your opinions and that's fine. Go to AMPM. You can go to AMPM. You can go get the, the cheese Danish that's been there. And it says it expires in 2121. That's weird. So 102 years from now, uh, it will go bad. Um, that's a good thing to eat. There you go. Uh, so we have these things that we, uh, that's a meal to us, right? No big deal. But there is something different about especially a meal in the ancient world. Because part of it was they would take the bread and they would break the bread. They would dip. They were were eating off the same loaf. They were partaking in all of this together. Family style, right? So there was a communion in that in understanding one body, one cup, one. We are in this together. This thing that I'm doing with you is more than nutritional sustenance. It's like a big deal. It's the same way you kind of think of like a, uh, like a Thanksgiving dinner. Something that takes a lot of work, right? Especially if something takes a lot of work. I remember when we were growing up, we ate at the coffee table all the time. Sports Center, Dodger game, whatever. Like just pop, post it up and you're like, let's go. It's like chicken flautas, you know, or whatever from Costco. I'm on it. Let's go. Okay. So I can see it. I can see the TV. I'm right here. I'll get water every time there's a break. I mean, mean, every time there's a commercial break, let's go. Oh, wow, the Dodgers hit 13 home runs in the last three days. Holy smokes. Don't want to talk about it, but that's what's up. Whoop. Okay. Um, All things aside, that is kind of like the most majority of the meals we would have. And maybe you didn't grow up in that kind of a setting. But I do remember when my mom would go all out. That dining table would get cleared off from all the stuff that we would put there. Oh, here, there's that, there, you know. It would get cleared off, and all of a sudden, the placemats come out, and the dishes you didn't know existed come out. And I, I, there's a, there's, yeah, placemats. You're like, placemats? What is this, you know, thing? No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't that rare. But it would, she would do it, and you put it there, and everyone's sitting around the table, and we're, we're praying, and everyone's arguing over who's going to pray, and then here we go, okay? Jump into the meal. And it's something about that, like a Thanksgiving meal, like a good homemade meal that, that is, it really is kind of like a recognition of mom really busted her hump on this one to make this good meal. There was a real effort that took place. Part of the society we live in is, oh, yeah, I'll make you something. Beep, 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 beep. Ding. Okay, yeah, that took longer than I thought. That one was three minutes, but here you go. Is it cold in the middle? It's frozen. Is it also hot? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Will it burn my mouth? It'll destroy your mouth, right? Jim Gaffigan. Okay. Um, But here you go. There's your meal. No problem. Just deal with it. Go with it. Just get out of my hair. But this was like, think about back in the day, Tori's been reading the Little House on the Prairie books to the kids, and she's like, 
this is insane. Like, like everything that they did, it was like, they have to work for everything. And they put all this effort in. That's like what a meal would be like. And so you appreciate that. You recognize the beauty of provision. And there is something beautiful about that. And that would be a meal. You are in communion with one another. And so that's what Paul's saying. Like when you eat together and when you eat somewhere, it means something. So it's important to have that mindset to understand the one bread, the one body, that there's communion to be found here. So what he's saying is observe Israel after the flesh are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar. Now what he's speaking to is, so this, we have these meats that have been sacrificed to altars, but he's really speaking to those that are still in the, at the altar, in the temple, eating at the banquet hall, restaurant, whatever that's there. Because they would have that as an option. And so these Corinthian Christians, because they're so like liberated and they're so smart, are like, let's just go eat in the temple. I love the table of Zeus. It's so well decorated. And they would sit down and they would eat at the table of Zeus and be like, this doesn't bother me in the slightest. And Paul's saying, well, it kind of should. Because of what you're, you don't really understand what you're doing here, but you're not thinking about what this means and what it says to everyone around you. In the gospel, all three synoptic gospels speak to an occasion of Jesus sitting down and eating with these, with these uh, tax collectors and sinners, right? Matthew says it here in verse 10. Now it happened and Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. But the real idea is, How could you share a meal with those people? Well, we're going to see a little later that there is no problem with sharing a meal with an unbeliever. But there is a problem in sharing a meal in a place where demonic worship is taking place. And saying, we are all gathered together here and we're part of this. And this is where it gets tricky in the world we live in. Where we say, absolutely I want to meet people where they're at. I don't want to be all messed up and and super crazy about everything. But at the same time, I need to make a stand where I need to make a stand and not bow my head to another. Isn't Isn't that tricky? Like, where's the line? Where do we go? And so he says, this is this is where you're at. Verse 19. What am I saying then that an idol is anything or what is offered to idols is anything? Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. And you're like, this sounds intense, right? The table of demons. But really, that's what's taking place here, is that this is an honoring, and really that's what it's all about, is honoring demonic worship. Really, and if you look at it, anything, worshiping anything aside from God really is, is that, right? I mean, it's got an element of, if you're worshiping the world, that's demonic. 
But he says, those of you who think, okay, I know you said that an idol is, is anything. I know it's not anything. But this is not about the idol. This is about coming together and saying, no, it's okay that we're here. He says, you can't do both. Because maybe some of the Corinthians would say, well, hey, um, I can go to the Lord's table, and that'll kind of cover going over here and eating over here at the discount mart, you know, where I can get a really good meal for cheap. He says, no, you don't want to do both, right? Does a, does a, a spring give fresh and salt water out of the same? It, no, it doesn't work, right? And talks about the, the tongue and how we speak. But there's just something about like, man, you can't do both. You're going to end up falling for the lowest common denominator, right? So be careful what you do and where you go. Never let your liberty uh, become a stumbling block for yourself or for others around you. And he says, or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Here's really something we need to be wary of. Like to think that we are stronger and we can handle things that he's told us not to. And we, if, if we're all honest, we can all say we've definitely done that, right? Or he says, like, don't do that. And you're like, no, but I can handle this. This is something I can I can do. I can manage this. I can, you know what? I know I'm not really supposed to be here, but for me, it's okay. I can kind of chill out and it won't get too out of control. Right? These are like the words that happen before something catastrophic. You know, whether it takes a month or two months or two years or three, it will be bad. The man who thinks that he's strong. And really, that is exactly it. Are we stronger than he in our own eyes? Do you really think you know better than God? Well, I think that in Corinth, there was a bit of that. And I think if we're honest, 2019, there's absolutely a bit of that. Where we say, no, 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 this is... Understand, I understand what it says in the good book. But let's live in reality, okay? You know, things change. Is there any book in history that's 2,000 years old that is more, rev- like, relevant for today than the Bible. I mean, it is so clearly relevant. This is so obviously us because it deals with the core of humanity. Every other culture seems and, and philosopher, and there's always a hint of for the day and it's different unless they're pulling off of biblical principles. And if you're pulling off truth, that's God's truth. That's biblical principle that goes on forever. But every other thing, it's just goofy. We can look back and be like, what were we thinking? Case in point, you look at a picture of yourself in high school. Now, if you're in high school now, then you go, okay, no, it's good. I look great. But if you graduated from high school, say, I don't know, 20 years ago or 19 or 30 or 40 or 50, you're like, what was it? I thought I looked so cool in this picture, right? It's actually kind of even better if you go back to, like, elementary school. Don't look at junior high. Junior high is like, you just want to become depressed, right? You're like, maybe you do need to look at junior high and remember who you are for a second. You know what? Man, we are just men, and we are just, you know. The girls are all, like, 10 feet taller than the guys. The guys are like, this is fun, you know. (laughs) I bet I look cool right now, huh? But that's, that just goes to show culture changes. The, the wisdom of the day changes. But God's truth does not. 
who do we think we are if we think that we can stand or find loopholes or search and search and search till we get the answer that we want? How foolish are we to think that way? Do we really think we don't need the, to heed the warnings of God? By the way, I'm saying this to myself, right? Because it's so easy to do. It is so easy to do. And I know I've done it. I know I've like rationalized things and, ah, oh, well, yeah, that's one, that one's okay. Mark my words, that one, if unchecked, will become another one. It's a bad habit. You start going down that road. You don't want to do that. And this, this really ties into what we see a couple verses before. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. You think you're good. You have no idea what's on the other side. Especially if you're living in your own understanding. How scary is living in your own understanding in the world we live in? Like, how scary is that to be making all these leaps and jumps and you have no... you. Oh man, that is, that is gnarly. You have no idea, no clue. I was, I, you know, you always like can see that. Like when you see people, you're like, maybe they're from a real small town and you see them in the city and they look, they are tourists and you're like, this is not good. Like there's, and you see people following them and you're like, oh man, like, you know, and they, they got a wallet hanging out, you know, or whatever. It's out of their back pocket and it's like, there's cash hanging out of it or whatever, you know, that's a little extreme, but you get what I'm saying, right? Like, you're just like, you are, you have no idea what's around the corner. Please don't do that. Please don't go there. You have no idea. Remember what I've mentioned it before, but going to New York when I was in ninth grade and I, that's what our tour guide said, like, don't like, look, you know, keep your eyes peeled, look around. They like seeing a big group of you like this and walking around and you like, but my dad was like the guy who was like, Oh no, you ain't getting ripped off. I had like a money belt underneath my clothes, you know, like, like they're going to get, if they're getting your money, you're going to be dead. You're like, Oh, cool. Sounds good. You know, like when it was like a money belt, but no, that was the fake one. There's actually another one somewhere else, you know? Oh yeah, here you go. $3. <laughs> I got this cash to buy some fake Oakleys later. <laughs> but you got to you got understand me. Who do you think you are? You think you're strong? You think you know? You think you can do this in your own understanding? Oh man, I'm scared for you. Just like I'm scared for me. I have a friend, uh, and, and my good friends are in this band, and, and he speaks uh, to a situation where he um, he committed adultery with a, his uh, friend's wife or fiance, and he um, it was before he knew the Lord, and, and uh, he was able. He wrote a song about it. It was called Whoremonger, so it was pretty sweet, right? It sounds pretty nice and cute, but. Um, those words like were drilled into my brain hearing him speak about it. And he would give this out to kids and it was, it brought a lot of freedom to people because of the honesty. And he, and he would say like witness to, to youthful lust who made the same mistake. Guess he didn't know it would cost him everything he'd make, you know, see that young man through the window on the subtle path. He couldn't see the lo- uh, couldn't see the loss. He couldn't count the cost. It cost him everything. You know, and he, and he goes on and he's like, now he can't find, he has, he can't find the way out. He has no idea how he got here. 
you know, and then, and then it's like this, this rescue comes in and Jesus comes in and saves them. But it's like, do you know what you're doing? Like you're walking down this subtle path. You can't even see what's coming for you. You have no idea what's waiting for you. That speaks to a man that had no idea he would do something like that. He didn't know that would be a possibility. And yet, there he ended up. And we see this again and again in Scripture. Remember? Think of David. I mean, if you want to go down that same line. Do you think David thought, David loved God. He, was, he never thought he would be in that kind of a position. David had a problem with women. He did, right? And that's way too many wives. You need one. Just one, okay? A lot of those problems could have been solved. One wife, guys, Okay? But you see, and, and, and it, it's like his relying a little bit in his own understanding and boom, failure, falling. God redeems, but the, the, the price is high. This is huge right here. Verse 23, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the uh each one the other's well-being. Now, we get stuck in the what's lawful for me, right? And the kids would always ask that. You know, I was a youth pastor for years. How far is too far, you know, if you're dating a girl? And you're like, terrible question. You're on a bad path. Like, this is not where you want to be. How far is too far is a bad, bad question, you know? Because whatever I tell you will be exactly what you will do. Like, that will be, and then that won't be enough, and you will go further. You'll go one step further, and then it'll go further, and then it'll go further. This is not the right question. And so we think, okay, what, what's okay? What am I allowed to do? What's all right for me? But it, it's important to understand, what is good for me? What's helpful? All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. And edifying can be, you know, you can be edified by your own conduct, but really it edifies the con- uh, those around you, right? This was, of course, the purpose for spiritual gifts, to edify the body, to build up the body. You can do whatever you want, but not all things build others up. Some of your choices can do the opposite. You can say, oh, that's lawful. I can't technically say that's wrong. But the response and what it's doing is clearly wrong because you're violating this principle. Verse 24, let no one seek his own, but each one the, uh, the other's well-being. Don't seek your own. Seek others. If you love people, your liberty will stay in its right place second. Remember that same thing, same principle. The, Liberty and all, you know, like I said, emotions, they make a, a, a horrible master, but a great servant, right? We can use emotions in a, in a servant way. It can be good. Emotions can be good. That was good, Amanda. Okay, thank you. <laughs> that was heartfelt. People cry about nothing that you're like, oh, okay, you just cry because the weather changed. Like, yeah, we felt that, Amanda. Thank you. Uh, but it, it can be a great servant, but a horrible master. If you're led by your emotions, then you will absolutely be doing the thing that you say, I don't feel like that's right, God. You know, that's not good. But it can be a great servant, terrible master, great servant. Same thing, liberty, great servant, terrible master. Love always supersedes liberty. 
He says, eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and its fullness. Now he's saying, you can buy the meat, bring it home. Just don't even ask. (laughs) Just bring it home and cook it up. Like, why is this one a discount? Oh, that one is offered to an idol. See, you blew it, man. You shouldn't have done that. Just buy it, man. Take it home and roast it up and don't tell anyone about it. It's all good. Don't sit at the table, though, where where people are worshiping demons. He says, if any of you, those of you who do not believe, uh, or if any of those who do not believe invites you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no question for conscience sake. Again, if someone, it's not saying don't eat with unbelievers. It's saying they might even be people who are part of this. But if they bring you to your house and they say, hey, do you want to come over for dinner? That's not a bad thing. We are supposed to be lights. And if someone invites you into their home and it's a good situation where you know it's not going to go super sideways, that's okay. Go and, and be a light to them. And, and that's not bad. Christians were never supposed to be just like a little isolated community. I think that's what was happening in Acts. And so God brought allowed persecution to come and they spread everywhere. And then, of course, the church grew. You guys are becoming weird over here. You gotta go. You're forgetting what's important. Go, go, go. Get out. Christianity is meant to be lived in in front of non-believers, and and you're you're meant to be in the middle of all of the mess. Verse 28, but if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, meaning when you're at this meal, do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. Conscience, I say, not your own, but that of the other. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? But if I partake with thanks, why am I evil spoken for the food which I... uh, uh, food over which I give thanks. He says, therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. So what it's saying is, is if they offer it over to you and they tell you, hey, by the way, this was offered to, to an idol. This is idol meat. He's like, you probably shouldn't eat it because it's going to tweak their brains a little bit. It might, it's not something that, that they can handle. It's not really good for them even to see and you don't want to be a part of that. So let's not even get into all of that stuff. Just leave it alone. The food in and of itself is not a problem. It's the stuff tied to it that is a problem. So if the stuff isn't tied to it in your brain and the stuff isn't tied, just eat the meat. It doesn't matter. Satan did not make the cow or the lamb or the what. That, he didn't make that. That is God made that. So that in and of itself is fine. You can go off and you can eat that. But it's important, he says, whether you eat or whether you, uh, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That really kind of centers our whole approach to all of this. Is what I'm doing giving glory to God? That'll wipe out a million things in your life, right? It's a good, like, standard and a good litmus test. Like, is this giving glory to God or is this self-seeking for me? And you could say, well, what is gl- giving glory to God means? Is it lifting God higher in your own personal life? And is it helping around those around you to praise God? Is that a good thing? Because I know I've been in situations where I'm like, I feel like freedom for certain things. And I realize I'm in them. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, you know what? This isn't, this isn't helping that person being here. I need to go. And I need to not be here right now in this setting. Because they're like, what? why are you here? It's going 
weird. Like there'd be certain bands, like I, I listen to all kinds of bands, but there'd be certain bands that you're like, I can't go to that one. That's just not, I can't do that one. And you're like, yeah, I know they're really good and all that stuff, but it's just, we just can't be a part of that. That's something different. They're darker than everything else. That's like a whole nother thing. And I don't think we're supposed to be there. Like, I think it's a light. I think it's like an example to say, no, that's just not where we're going to go. It's not where we belong. He says, give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. Here's again, it's Paul's heart. I don't care about myself. I care about men getting saved. So if you're thinking is glory of God and people getting saved, you're going to be in a good spot, right? Is this helping people grow closer to God? Is this helping give glory to God? Is this helping lift his name high? Or is it just kind of fun for me and everyone else can deal with the the aftermath and the damage on the other side? Deal with it. It's your deal. I don't want anything, you know, I'm out of here. You know, don't tell me what I can and can't do. I'm a Christian with liberty. Very cool. Sounds good. You tell that to the Apostle Paul. I want you to share that with him. We're so like, we're so lucky he's not here, right? <laughs> not really, but you know what I'm saying? He'd be like, he would be on a, on a tour through, <laughs> through the world. He'd be just like, oh, all right, so let's just talk about some stuff here. And I don't think he'd have banners either. He'd just show up on his own. People would always be, like, ready to arrest him. He wouldn't have, like, someone leading out worship beforehand, like, that's, like, got all this screen. It would be like, all right, here comes Paul. He's intense, okay? Here you go. They're ready to arrest him. People want to kill him. And his message is to cut to your heart so that you grow closer to God. You're like, oh, okay. No thanks. We'll go with uh, the other guy. Who's going to say that we're like life is easy and good and sweet and just Jesus is my best friend or whatever, my homeboy makes it easier. But Paul's thing is like, I don't want you guys to get ripped off. I want you guys to experience life found in Christ. And the only way to experience that is to live like Christ. If we look at the way Paul's living, what is he mirroring? Jesus, tell me that's not what he's mirroring, putting his own will aside, putting his own liberty aside, putting his own, all of it aside. For what? For the greater cause and call, which is glory to God, right? Was, didn't that what he wanted to do? Glorify the Father and, and see men get saved. So it's no coincidence that that is what Paul is living like because that's what a disciple does. You look like Jesus. So if we want our lives to be like that, we, we have to simply submit and be like, God, um, purge me. <laughs> like, show me. Change me. Because you're not going to be able to just go, okay, all right, I'm going to try and get rid of some stuff in my life. I'm going to try and be nicer. I'm try and be... A little bit better when I wake up in the morning. Because sometimes I'm mean. I know. I know I'm mean. I'm going to try and be a nicer person. I'm trying to be a better person. No, it's not that. It's, it's God, change me. Help me to see it like this. Because you know Paul didn't always see it like this. He used to be Saul. 
But he was changed. And he saw the big picture. I believe that when, uh, when you see reality, when you see the truth played out like full force, like when you can see it for what it is and you really understand it, it changes you for eternity. Like when you see Jesus, I don't think you can, it's like you can't really go back, right? When you see him for who he is. And so that's what we really need is like a more understanding. God, show me how good you are. Show me how real you are. Show me how much better you are than the world that's around me. So that there's no, there's no competition. So that even my desires are nothing compared to you. Because I know you're the one that gives life. I know I can get my way and it doesn't give me what I thought it would. Oh, I got everything I wanted, and I'm still empty. How can this be? How could it not be? It's been foretold for millennium. But God calls us into a whole new life, a better life. So much better. Because you taste this, you see this, it's, it's everything. It makes you want to follow him. It makes you want to glorify him. It makes you think of others. And, oh, man, when you start thinking of others, man, you better believe people notice that. You better believe it when you, someone shoots you a text out of nowhere that's just like a, like a sweet thing that's from the Lord. Hey, the Lord puts you on my heart today. Here's a verse. And you're like, that's exactly what I needed. What was that? <laughs> well, I'm not thinking of a verse for you when I'm only thinking about pleasing me. I'm not thinking of you know, how I can encourage you and how I can bless you when I'm thinking about how I can bless me and how others can bless me. So that's, that's the opposite side of it to be able to see it with his eyes. Remember it is not natural. So it has to be supernatural, but God does it. We're going to pray. We're going to do some worship and, uh, and right after, we're going to have a little party. Uh, Jordan and Mildred brought, some, brought a cake for us to enjoy, uh, to send off our friends here, Chris and Amanda and, and the whole crew. To uh, You guys like cake? I think so. Let's do it. Uh, but let's pray and let's worship. That's one of the things we can do is worship God. That's seeing him as he is. That's giving him all the glory and all the honor. And when we sing these songs, they're not just words that we sing and we recite. And, oh, I like the melody on this one. Oh, I like how the drums sound on this one. Nothing wrong with all of that stuff. But to say, when those words are praise to God, they are my own words to him. I'm giving glory to him. I'm in my right place with him. That's why worship's important. That's why we do it before the message. That's why we do it afterwards. It's between you and him. Here you go, God. Here's my heart. Here it is again. Lay it out before him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your grace for us, um, your love for us, and the truth that you give us. You give us... I thought it was really interesting, and again, I was listening to Guzik, and he had mentioned that uh, on this side of eternity is the only time we'll be able to endure temptation for God's glory to be able to help people, to be able to reach out to people, to be able to endure on this side. It's, there's something about it that is, it is a hard but yet beautiful time where we are, act, our faith is active. Our faith is, it is available and it, is, it, it becomes very clear as to what it's made of when stuff comes your way. So it's, it's, I think it's just good to know, like, man, you know what? 
it's not all going to be good for us on this side of eternity. It's not all going to be easy. It's not all going to be perfect. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be things your body really wants, but your body really doesn't want. You think you want it, but you don't want what's coming right after it, right? Because maybe one day you go, oh, I loved these candies when I was a kid, which I have done, right? Twizzlers, oh, yeah, just start pounding them. Red vines, whatever. You're like, that is good. Sour Patch Kids, you know, those kind of things. And then afterwards you're like, oh, that was not good. My desire was for that. It seemed like it was going to fill something, but it left a bigger hole than than I had before. This is us. This is where we're at. He wants us to bear. Doesn't that sound like Jesus bearing? Actually, don't, don't we have that terminology? Bearing the cross, despising the shame. <laughs> bearing through situations. Like going through it. I, for me, it's actually helpful to know that's a thing. Because sometimes we think, well, if my life isn't perfect and I don't feel completely like everything's the way it's supposed to be, then, you know, I must be outside of God's will. Because he only does really, really good things. That's true. He does. But on this side of eternity, it's, it's messed up, man. It is a messed up world we live in. And us being able to just stand and to bear through these seasons with our eyes fixed on him, that is glory in him. And people see it. They'll, they'll recognize it. So a couple things this morning. If you feel like you're just bearing and you're like, I don't feel like this is exactly what I want or whatever. Good. Keep going. Keep trusting God. That's awesome. For those of you who maybe are thinking like, you know what? I'm caught and I've never said no to my stump, to my belly. I've never said no to myself. There is a better way. And it is in front of you. There is an option. Will it be easy? Eyes wide open. You know, I mean, I remember seeing something from like a church and it said like, come to the most ridiculously awesome church. Cause we think you're awesome. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, I'll never go to you because I don't know what to do with that. You know, like, who are you people like that are like, you know, this is a place for only awesome people. But guess what? You're awesome. And you're like, oh, you're a snake oil salesman. I know it. You know, anyway, maybe it's a good church. I don't know. But I just like whenever I see that, I'm just like, man, where's the reality? Like, what did the church look like 2000 years ago? Oh, it's not like that. Okay, anyway, but. The fact of the matter is, eyes wide open, it's, there's a difficulty there. But it is, this is life. Following Jesus. Through it all. The good, the bad. And growing to become more accustomed to his taste than anything the world can offer. It all starts with one step. But it continues with constant steps. Walking with him. Following him. Seeking him eyes on him. It's only he can do it. This is not this thing where you go, all right, I'm just going to get tough and I'm going to make it happen. No, only he can do it. He can do it in you. Draw close to him. Spend time with him. Read, pray, ask for help from him and others around you. <laughs> Tell them what's going on in your life. Give people an opportunity to pray for you. Get involved, get invested and walk a new path. One that doesn't lead to, uh, I said yes again and I blew it again. Bummer. God has a better, there's a better way. And he has a, he has a, a, a call for each and every person in here for good works. That he's created for us to walk in.
his workmanship, his poema, his, his masterpiece, because he loves you and he's got good things for you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Uh, each person here again, Lord, they are all your masterpieces and we all want to walk in that. We want to be the best. Uh, you have to get up and you have to do it. And it might, your body might say, I hate this. I hate you right now, you know? You got to keep going. You got to say, body, you are wrong. I actually, this is a good thing. I need this. You're telling me to stop because you like being comfortable. Tough luck. Onward and upward, right? If we want to follow Jesus, he's going to be called into some waters that are a little bit uh, scary, (laughs) sketchy. There's nothing better we can do than follow him, though. There's nothing safer. There's nothing better. There's nothing more worthwhile. There's nothing more challenging. (laughs) But it's beautiful. Follow Jesus. Let's do it. Run to win. It's good. Let's pray. We're going to close up in some worship here. I'll have Rich come back up. And then afterwards, I think we're going to pray. Cameron's going to be heading out for a little while. If you guys all want to join around, we're going to pray for him and Anna. They're doing servicemen. So maybe if you guys want to jump in, if you are down, that'd be cool. And then we got bagels afterwards. A lot of them, remember I said that? So we can all pray, uh, uh, grab some bagels and eat and enjoy some fellowship. But let's just, let's just pray right now. Lord, we thank you so much for...